everyone. Welcome to Flywheel Pod, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K. We're here to help you harness the power of the flywheel. And something that was mentioned over and over again was the flywheel, multiple flywheels that Redacted is creating with 0x Sammy. Um, this is actually one of my favorite episodes, and I feel like we're getting better every week, but you know, Sammy is truly one of those builders in the trenches, day in, day out, and he was really giving us a lot of insight on how he sees the space, where he sees DeFi and real yield going, and not just at the application level, but at the consensus level, and um, you know, what's it like to just be a builder, even in the darkest of times? What did you think, Kit? I mean, I'm like I said in the pod, I've met Sammy pre-redacted, so it was just like amazing to see what what he has built, and he keeps on impressing me with the more innovative shit. Because when he first told me about redacted, this was like before the curve wars, and it was kind of like before truly seeing all this meta governance fight out, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, damn, he had the vision to see what it could look like, built a product for it, then built even more derivatives of that product. And as you can, as the readers or listeners are going to hear later in the pod, he's just going to keep on going deeper and deeper. Yeah. And I really appreciated how he professed this positive, positive some mindset when building and when thinking about Redacted and how it fits into the wider DeFi landscape and how they can work with other protocols. Like he's definitely one of the, like, the better like positive some builders in the space with that mindset. Facts, facts. Yeah. And on that note, we'll get this started. Don't forget uh, to subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that bell button for those notifications. You can follow us on Twitter at FlywheelPod. Telegram at FlywheelPod. Join our group. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDave22. And you can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And let's get the flywheel rolling. All right, all right. Welcome to Flywheel Pod. Uh, this week, uh, I'm very excited to have, we're very excited to have to, to um, finally have the founder of Redacted, founder of New Order Cartel, DGen Extraordinaire, Xerox Sammy. How's it going? What's up, guys? What's up? Happy to be here. Thanks for coming. I'm um, really excited to have you. Um, been hearing about Redacted since the beginning, since the end of last year. Um, especially towards the end of the whole uh, Olympus cycle craze. Um, and uh, I was looking into your background a bit, and uh, just to get things started, you were doing research before for different L1s, you were doing research for Mizari. Um, how did you make the jump between doing research and building? Because they're two very different things. And um, what are some of the things that you didn't expect when you got into building? <clears throat> yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, you know, um, this is kind of all I've been doing, right? Like even in school, I went to school like for blockchain in Toronto. Um, <clears throat> and I guess like a good way for like a lot of people to just get started um, doing something like serious in the space is through the research route, right? Um, so for me, that was kind of just like the natural way to head down. But, you know, the, the thing about research is that you're so out of the loop, actually, right? Like the research is that one job where you have to be in the loop. But because you're just sort of in the sidelines watching and just having to follow along with what is going on, um, you're one step behind um, the builders, right? Um, and like when I got into the space, like I really wanted to just be involved, right? And I noticed that people who were on the building side were always like 
um, one step ahead, had more creative freedom, all that sort of stuff, were the ones who were able to like give the researchers something to research about, right? So for me, like, you know, I felt like uh, I wanted to, I wanted to head down that route more than, you know, be on the VC side or anything like that. Yeah, that's a lot of so, sense. Yeah, uh, you go ahead, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say uh, real quick before we get deeper. I actually met Sammy uh, back in uh, November last year in Lisboa, in Portugal, actually, and this was like pre-redacted. And as, as he was like sharing the early days of, of redacted vision with me, I was like, "Wow, this is a truly DeFi degen who sees a need in the space and is setting out to build it and fill the gap." And kind of seeing where Redacted is today, man, I, I just want to give a moment and say I'm hella proud of what you have built, Sammy. Claps. Oh, I, pre I appreciate that, bro. It's, it's actually crazy, eh? Like, um, Fucking you crazy. were one of, like, the first people to ever hear about the idea. Actually, you were, like, there. I won't say, like, who introduced us, but, like, you yeah. were there, like, sort of, like, in the early days of just, like, forming the, um, when we were initially forming the idea. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, and it's truly a DeFi native idea. It's this layer on top of, you know, convex and curve and just, you know, a how can I say that's like gov like kind of like a like I'm trying to think. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um an index for governance. That was the word. An index for governance. Um did you get the idea from um uh, like from your research? Like how did you think of it? Um I think like the easiest answer would be that but i think like another way of putting it is like when when i said like you know i really wanted to just like be involved and and do something that like you know really got me out of bed in the morning like i think like stuff down the DeFi rabbit hole is what excites me right and like um people say like you know different things about when you like get super meta into like DeFi and stuff but the the, the truth is like not all of us who want to like build and continue innovating can like focus on you know mass adoption stuff right like you have like a 1% chance at like, you know, <clears throat> building like a trillion dollar network or something, but like, it's much more reasonable and obtainable to start humble, start with what you know, and then slowly work your way down, um, work your way down the supply chain to a point where you can, can continue to grow your user base, right? Like, it always makes sense to me, at least to like, start with like a very niche crowd and then slowly expand your way out rather than the other way around, right? I feel like everyone, or not everyone, but I feel like a lot of projects like try and start by saying like, we're the decks for... <clears throat> with the decks that's going to bring in like mass adoption. And then over time, you slowly start to see them become sort of like what Redacted is now. Like you start to see them like hone in into one specific niche that was working out for them. And then, you know, like that's just the way, that's just the name of the game, right? Like the cycle, like that's kind of like how um, a lot of DeFi apps went, right? I think like if this is the Frax pod, you know, like, <clears throat> like the Frax is like a great example, you know, like I think like it started off as like a stable coin, like a yield vehicle for like a lot of, um, like DeFi native people. And then now you start to see them like uh, branch out into multiple different things and expand their user base, right? I feel like that's like the better route to head than like, you know, just trying to go head on mass adoption. So that's kind of like the mindset I had. Yeah, getting into the redacted suite of products because there's a lot of them. You have like the main redacted protocol, which is the index itself and like giving butterfly holders kind of power and control and governance you have hidden hand which is your vote incentive bribe uh platform you guys have pyrex which is like a futures market but for voting and then you guys have dinero which is a uh, you know to be announced so can you give like a little bit of a description of like each thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
so we, we started off with the protocol itself, right? Um, <clears throat> which I think is, is a relatively easy concept. You know, we, we uh, launched the project as sort of in this hyper bootstrapping phase to get us in a position where we have the runway and the team and the treasury to do the things we want. Um, where sort of we fail launch the butterfly token by letting people bring in assets that we thought were strategic, right? Um, <clears throat> similar to the old model. Um, <clears throat> once we sort of reached that point where we were happy with the treasury and the way the token was distributed, we moved into um, V2, uh, which is a, ch a change to tokenomics and then the launch of the two um, flagship flagship dApps essentially, right? Um, so Hidden Hand um, is the one more people are familiar with, I think, because it's been around longer. Um, <clears throat> Hidden Hand is, you know, essentially like a general purpose uh, vote incentive platform, right? Um, the way we like to think of it is we've been calling it VEV recently, like voter extractable value. Um, a lot of tokens nowadays, like, you know, like have no utility or like reason to hold them or any of these things, right? But when you can start to introduce um, uh, liquidity directional power to these tokens, right? Or influence to these tokens, then all of a sudden you open up like the door for like a whole bunch of things that people could start to do with them. And, and Hidden Hand like enables exactly that. So we're integrated with um, Balancer, Frax, obviously, uh, Ribbon. <clears throat> um, and we're starting to put out one every two weeks now um, for like different DeFi protocols on different chains. And yeah, I'd say that that's like a good description of like Hidden Hand. And then Pyrex is sort of like, you know, it's, it's brother. Um, <clears throat> uh, Pyrex is, you know, to, to make it simple for people, like it's a mix of uh, what people would consider something like element, you know, or yield, sort of these principal token yield tokens combined with um, an auto compounder, like a liquid locker, like like Lido or something, right? Um, <clears throat> that started with Convex. And the idea is that, you know, people can lock their Convex with us. We give them a liquid representation of that lock and they can then sell the future yield or the future governance power of their underlying CVX tokens um, all through the Pyrex app. So it's like a liquid locker on steroids. <laughs> um, and, and, and obviously they go hand in hand with each other, right? Because uh, you could launch like the hidden hand market for a token and then pair it with the Pyrex launch, which, you know, auto compounds the rewards and um, enables like leverage and all that sort of stuff for, yeah. Cool, cool. And any hints on dinero? Or is that still under wraps? Yeah, Dinero is still under wraps for sure. I, I, I'd say, like, you know, the, the thing with Dinero is that, like, um, we're confident with its development and the way it's been progressing. But the, the problem is that it doesn't work um, on a technical level until the Shanghai fork. So, um, mm. so like, it, like, there's no point talking about it now because, like... <laughs> I, I want to talk about it so bad, but like, you know, the, the problem is it doesn't make sense to talk about it now. It's just like front running issues and shit like that. Right. Um, but um, De Niro is going to be like, you know, I just mentioned on this call, like slowly just like going from like really niche crowds to just like slowly expanding and expanding and tapping into new user bases and stuff. And De Niro is really that, right. Because the goal is to, <clears throat> you know, while like we've been putting out these applications, which focus a lot on like VEV, like I said, right. Like uh, getting the most out of governance. I think like, we can take that same um, mentality and move it down from the application layer directly into the consensus layer. And instead of fighting over governance of different tokens, we can fight over block space of the Ethereum mainnet. So um, that's kind of the goal of the narrow, but I won't say like how it works or anything like that. <laughs> it sounds really interesting. Oh. <laughs> Kids, Ooh, your, so. face, your face right there says it all. 
We can only speculate. I'm salivating. I'm salivating right now. (laughs) Just just, just hearing all this coming out. Uh, But I I actually, you brought up one thing about uh, the the true value of governance is the revenue you can extract out of it. And you obviously kind of coined the term VEV. Like, could you explain a little bit to the folks back home, like what you mean by that saying? Totally. Um, So like we all know, right? Like the turnout for governance is really low. And and even more than that, like the concept of governance uh, in terms of maintaining the protocol is, is pretty flawed, right? Like, um, one thing we strive for internally is reaching a state of like immutability, right? Like, um, hopefully by this time next year, you know, all our smart contracts are frozen. The contract just exists and we're just this like engine that other dApps can plug into. Right. Um, but you know, I think like a lot of projects right now, like have this depend over dependence on governance, which is all, you know, like truly it's just smoke and mirrors. Right. Um, it's just the core team making decisions and then token holders just voting yes. And then they just implement it. Right. Um, even if they didn't vote yes, it's all off-chain anyway, so they can just change it, right? So it's not um, something that's like, uh, <clears throat> it's not something that's benefiting the users in any way by it being like, quote-unquote, owned by the community, right? So when we look at governance, right, and I'd say like Redacted is um, governance tooling, you know, like I think a lot of people like put us into like the own fork bucket or something like that, but I put us in the governance tooling bucket, but we just look at it from a different perspective, um, financialized, like financialized governance tooling, right? Um, the thing that people care about, right, and the thing that the way that you can make your protocol and token more useful is if you attach, you know, the same way you make your protocol uh, enable users to make money. If you can enable uh, anything else to make money, then you just like make your protocol like more successful and tap into more users and stuff like that, right? So that's why I said that. You know, I think that um, governance really is like <clears throat> a temporary solution. And the, the, the right way to look at it for like a lot of protocols is like, how can you get the most out of it, right? How can you make money out of it, right? At the end of the day. Yeah, so you really have like a deep look and insight into these governance systems. And, you know, many people have said this before, you know, governance is flawed. Even Vitalik said that this, he doesn't agree with one token, one vote governance. Um, so I guess like what I'm trying to say is like, if you build a DeFi protocol, like, would you, what alternative system would you use to one token, one governance? Cause it sounds like you would use something else. I would I honestly dude, like, um, <clears throat> I think like, uh, I think like governance for liquidity direction is like, it's like a great application of governance, right? Gauges, um, using the token to decide where emissions go, um, stuff like that. That way you can involve major stakeholders to sort of like participate in your governance. Right. But that's really all people care about, you know, people don't mm-hmm. care about, um, like people don't care about if you should do a treasury swap with another project. Like, of course you should do it, you know, like um, why do we have to vote on this and stuff? Right. Um, If I was to like, you know, redo everything, I would say that like, um, or if I was to launch a new project, like in today's time, I would say like, honestly, the best route is to just go straight to immutability, right? Like Mm -hmm. liquidity, I think like liquidity, I think pioneered this um, in the DeFi space. Um, And I think it's, it's the best path, you know, like, be confident in what you put out. Um, make sure that it's something that people can like easily build on top of. It's composable, and you know, just like release it into the world and have your token be more of a value accrual mechanism than it is like a governance mechanism. You know, um, I think that that's just like a more sustainable path and um, something that will like last longer um, or scale easier than like the the route we're all taking right now. 
so you're saying the best form of governance is actually no governance and that it's just purely the protocol is immutable it does what it does and period like all you get are just shares yeah, of yeah. the revenue like that is the best governance really well huh. the thing is that the thing is that okay um <clears throat> why did people like fall in love with bitcoin right like bitcoin uh, if worse comes to worse like there is there isn't there's a way for bitcoin to do forks and upgrade the system right but not like the thing is that people love bitcoin for what it is right and <clears throat> um you could say the same thing about ethereum you know people love ethereum for what it is you don't have to bug the user every single day by saying we're putting out a new governance vote and we're changing this and that and then the people who learned about you last year don't know anything about what you're doing now i mean we have this problem right now actually right like i think a lot of people know redacted from when the bull market was like live and well uh, but we've changed a lot you know and that was through governance and i think like <clears throat> um a, like a better path would just sort of be like releasing the, these products releasing these protocols having the parameters fixed letting people get familiar with it over time right instead of trying to like you know constantly change and adapt and confuse users um and then like letting the protocol exist right um i don't really see the need for like constantly changing parameters every single day <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned that, you know, people were super familiar with Redacted, especially when you guys launched at, you know, at the end of last year in the whole Olympus like craze and whatnot. And now that you guys have changed a lot. So what is it like been um to build uh between then and now? And like what kind of issues and communication issues are you trying to fix between then and now and like trying to get the word out like, hey, this is the new Redacted. This is what we've done since. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you know, like, I think um, <clears throat> we the thing with comms is that we always said it, right? Like, we always said the goal was this was just like <laughs> that, like, craze phase was sort of just like a bootstrapping phase, right? And, like, the goal is always to put out, like, sustainable revenue drivers. And, um, like, we said that from day one, right? But the thing is, like, um, people's attention in this space is, like, <clears throat> even mine, you know, like, people's attention is just, like, very short. And I think, like... Um, this is just, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's hard to navigate comms in the space, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, people will sort of tune into you and what you're doing now. And, um, <clears throat> you know, they won't necessarily, like, follow along because of, the, like, because of that governance issue, right? Like, you know, because things, people constantly want to change things and the system is always upgrading. And, like, you know, all of DeFi today looks completely different than what it did, like, last year, right? Like, I'd say, like... <coughs> You know, someone learned what like sushi was. You know, like sushi is not the same as it was like last year. Trader Joe is changing to an order book. You know, like everyone's just changing everything. And then, like you know, like I'd say like uh, us, like you know, we're very deep into the space. Like we can keep up with it. Um, but I'd say like you know, when the bull market is active, <clears throat> you have a whole set of users um, that like can see you and identify you as one thing, but won't keep up the same way the hardcore users will. Right. Um, so from a comms perspective, you know, there's not um, like too much you can do other than just like, you know, constantly putting out integrations, doing stuff like this, you know, um, uh, the usual. I'd say like it's a nut that no one has really cracked yet. Yeah, I would say like another Olympus fork um, that did like a whole change up is Umami Finance, who we had on a few weeks ago. They started off as just like your standard home fork, this and that. And then they completely changed their model and their tokenomics and really rode the real yield wave um, into today. Um, and so like, I feel like a lot of protocols have gone through this kind of, I, you know, growing up a bit, identity crisis a bit, and, you know, 
depending on like how they approach it, they either overcome it or they just, you know, wallow in inflation. Yeah. It, it, the, yeah. Umami is like a good example, I think also, right. And, um, I wouldn't say that like, I necessarily like regret the way we launched. I would say like, we actually wouldn't be able to do the things we're doing today if we didn't launch the way we launched. Right. So I wouldn't say that it's something I regret. Um, I'd say like we did that phase really well and like we're doing our new era really well too. Um, uh, <clears throat> so I think like, you know, you sort of just have to take what you're given. Um, you just have to be able to like sort of recognize it. Right. I think there's a lot of old, yeah, you know, like I'd say like redacted and umami are kind of like part of like the newer DeFi group. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's projects that existed last year that have just like completely the urine forks, right? The urine forks are mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Right. And, mm-hmm. Um, there's very few urine forks that sort of like made it out into being something unique. I think like Badger is a good example of like a project that did do that, right? Like Badger was a urine fork, um, but now, you know, they've sort of like come into their own identity of being this like Bitcoin native thing. They have all these different vaults, they've expanded out, um, et cetera, et cetera, right? So there is like people we can look to um, from the past that was sort of in the same issue. Um, But again, you know, I think... I think it's like too early to even like start thinking like that, right? Like for what mm-hmm. it's worth, even yearn in the grand scheme of things is like a relatively new idea. Right. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yearn feels, it, you're right. Like it is a relatively new idea, but it feels so long ago. It's such a juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah. It, it feels so, so yeah. boomer DeFi even what one would say. <laughs> uh, but I, I love seeing but these it's, protocols. It's, it's the same yeah. thing, man. It's the same thing, dude. Like, honestly, like, um, the things that are like happening today are like the same problems that those projects were having when they first launched, you know, I talk with like a bunch of these guys all the time, you know, like, um, the, the sushi type and Alchemix and urine and, and people like might consider it boomer in the end, like we're all gunning for like multi-billion dollar valuations. It won't matter if you launched a year from now or a year ago, it, it won't really matter. Right. Mm-hmm. But they all have this exact same issue where like, they fall into this trap of like trying to ride whatever is like hype and trying to get as much people's attention and then realizing like, you know, it's more of a slow grind to become the chain links of the world, et cetera, you know? And it really takes time for a protocol to really glow up, you know, and it takes a lot of iteration and trials. Like I feel like you said earlier, if Redacted had launched with a different mechanic where you didn't have treasury-owned assets such as productive assets like Curve, Convex, and FXS, like I wouldn't think Hidden Hands or Pyrex would be as useful as it is today because you but actually dog worse, food. Like you yeah. Even worse, like you wouldn't even know what Redacted was, right? Yeah. Um, which is like the hardest, the hardest thing about being a builder, right? Is like you know, um, you have to you have to make like certain sacrifices in order to get your token out there, get it into people's heads. And like, it is not the most like sustainable thing, but in the end of the day, like when you work in such a like a uh, hyper competitive market like this, like um, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do, you know? Yep. And yeah, you... speaking of doing what you got to do, sorry, Dave, I just want to d- d- double click ahead. on this, this one thing. Cause you know, Redactor, you know, went through a pretty radical tokenomics change, right? So I, I wanted to hear from Sammy, what was the thinking process where you decided, hey, we have to do this. We had to take the bitter medicine. It, you know, the community might have backlash. We kind of don't know what's on the other side, but we need to make a move. Could you walk us through that period of time? Yeah, totally. So um, the rebase mechanic, right? Um, I think the rebase mechanic, looking back at it, 
um, works for a new protocol, right? Um, but actually, like the same way that people gamed yield farming tokens or any of the, like pool two tokens, any of these things, over time you start to see like the true light of how like these uh, different tokenomic models can be manipulated and um, <clears throat> used against you as a protocol trying to grow, right? Um, the issue with the rebase tokens, as, as an example, right, because that's what we had to pivot out of, um, uh, was the bonding loops, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> people bonding uh, different tokens to the treasury, um, and then like you launch a new bond, and then they just sell that token and buy the new bond, and and it's it uh, actually puts you in uh, not I won't say a death loop because I think like when you say the word death loop, you think of like UST or something like that, right? But it is like a slow death loop, actually, right? On um, the same way that like, you just stick to a pool too your entire life, like your protocol is not going to grow and like prosper, right? Um, so for us, like, you know, it just wasn't working, right? Like it worked in the beginning. Um, and instead of just like sitting on our hands and letting that um, play out the way we projected it to play out, I think like we made um, the decision to go to the community and say like, look, like, um, <clears throat> We have these two products right now, which are growing week on week, um, becoming like very successful with no token incentives, right? We're not like Pyrex and Hidden Hand, like have no butterfly incentives attached to it. And we're making pure revenue off of that. I think it would make sense as a protocol to model our token around these two products, right? Um, And instead of having the token get rebased off of something which we now consider an outdated practice, right? Um, It just makes more sense from sustainability standpoint to just focus on these two products, right? Um, <clears throat> so we went to the community with that. It, it did pass, right? It did pass by like a landslide. Um, but I think there was like some concerns about it. Um, <clears throat> the, the thing is that like, you know, uh, it was like short-term concerns, right? More than it was like long-term concerns, right? Like the Butterfly V1, we just let it keep rebasing. <laughs> <clears throat> We just let it keep rebasing, like you know, the supply would have been like six million, like mm-hmm. right now or something, right? Um, and like obviously, that's no way to like, there's no way to run a protocol, right? And like you, you, you tell people just to be real with you guys, like you know, you tell people like it's about the market cap, not the price or whatever, right? And it's like obviously it's about the market cap, not the price, but people don't see that, right? <laughs> and like you know, your token can go from like something crazy to something really low, but at the same time, like your market cap hasn't even really changed, right? These are all things that like people do really care about, right? Like, obviously it's not something that I want to spend my time on. I'd rather focus on the things that are making us money. Um, But at the same time, like these are things that are holding you back as like a protocol from like, you know, shining and being in your own lane and stuff like that, right? Um, And I feel like, you know, one thing we try to like really like put out to the world is that um, we we really try to do like innovative shit, you know, like we don't, um, I would say like, we don't try to just like uh, copy people and take people's ideas and stuff like, there's a few projects out there now that are kind of like in hand, but when that came out, like, you know, that was like <clears throat> a novel idea. I think like when people read the De Niro white paper, like they'll see, like <clears throat> it was worth the wait. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it just wasn't very redacted of us to like keep following the tokenomics of like another product. Let's say that. Got it. Yeah. I want to get into a little bit more of like the redacted products, such as like hidden hand and Pyrex and like the developments happening there. Um, with Hidden Hand, um, you know, it's come out that you guys are working pretty closely with Bear Chain. Um, can you go into that a bit? Is is uh, Hidden Hand and Bone Incentives going to be integrated kind of at like the Geth level of Bear Chain, or is it something else? Did I get that right? 
Yeah, we're working on it. Um, yeah, so, you know, like, the, the thing is, like, with Hidden Hand, like, again, it's that same issue I said, like, the reason we're putting out the narrative, right? Like, it's too focused on the application layer. And the thing is, it's such a composable tool that we can do something like that where we can bake it into the base layer of a chain, right? Like, bear chain. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, I mean, I think I've... I've I think uh, I think it's already public, right? But the general idea is that you know the validator rewards and the way bearer is getting emitted out to not only the validators but the protocols themselves that are building on the chain, which is really important. Um, I'm not going to go on a I'm not going to try and bear chain pill everyone, but let's just say that that's like the coolest fucking chain that's like come out in like, the <laughs> last three years, right? Um, the way that like uh, bearer incentives go out to the builders and the people that are actually filling blocks on the chain opens up the door for something like Hidden Hand to come in and let the builders find a way to increase their treasury, increase their runway um, by working directly at the consensus level of a chain, which I think is just like, you know, for like a lot of chains, it's just completely um, like not even non-existent, right? But this is something that we also explored with like Avalanche and Benki, um, <clears throat> which is not like finalized yet because Benki's doing something and then Avalanche is doing something. But like, this is also something we're exploring with them, right? Is like, you know, Avex subnets are coming out, you know, how can we integrate Hidden Hand into validators, right? Like how can validators leverage Hidden Hand to like pull in bigger delegate sets? And then with Bear Chain, we're looking at it, like how can the entire chain leverage Hidden Hand to direct block rewards to like uh, the correct market participants, right? Um, so I'd say as a whole, like, you know, we're really focused on like creating new hidden hand applications that go even further than just like a DEX's gauge mechanism or something like that. Mm. Between this and Daenerys, it sounds like Redact is going after the consensus layer or like at least like the block space layer. Yeah, it's well, you know, this is the thing, dude, right? Like DeFi, like <clears throat> we all love DeFi, right? Um, but the fact of the matter is like um, you want to build like a sustainable protocol that's going to last um it's going to last for years without the dependence on one person. You know, like one issue we had when we launched was that we're so dependent on Convex being a success, right? Yeah. Uh, we were we were so dependent on Convex being a success. And that's no way to like, like, you know, us telling our token holders that is just not something that like gets me up in the morning, right? Like we want to build like a structure that like can exist completely in and of itself, um, creates its own uh, revenue that's not <clears throat> coming from like other sources or, I'd say real yield, right? <laughs> we want to create real yield, um, and the way but the way to do that is to just keep working down the supply chain, you know. Um, so I think like consensus mm -hmm. is the path that like a lot of projects should be focused on, um, or rather like the block space layer is like um, what we are really focused on like internally because <clears throat> it doesn't matter if Curve is a success, it doesn't matter if like. Um, uh, like another L1 overtakes Ethereum even, right? Like if we're working all the way down there, the same way that like um, Flashbots is at or the same way that Chainlink is at right now, then I think you put yourself in a position where you don't have to even play these DeFi games to be a success, right? Yeah, even where Frax is, you know, focusing their time, especially with Fraxy and s Fraxy, where they came up with a little information there, um, it seems like the consensus layer is, you know, I guess the next frontier for a lot of protocols when they realize like, hey, we need to be sustainable for the years to come. And what's more sustainable yeah. than that real yield from, you know, consensus? <clears throat> it's the curve wars, eh? Like the Ethereum blocks are actually, like that's like really what the curve wars are like, like on the consensus level, right? But actually like on a much more sustainable way. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, if like uh, us, Frax and like a couple others and stuff are fighting over like, you know, 
validating blocks, building blocks, owning the blocks that are coming out, right? Like um, you're involved directly in the success of like Ethereum and not dependent on like niche ecosystems. Yeah. Right. Mm. And, and do you see this going deeper and deeper until, you know, butterfly chain comes out? Butterfly you know, chain? No, 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 <laughs> no. Like, so, so, so um, it, yeah. No, no. I'd say like one thing that's been getting me really excited lately is like Cosmos and the way that ecosystem is forming. But, you know, Redacted, we're ETH boys, right? We're ETH boys. Mm -hmm. um, that's what we love. Um, <clears throat> when, when I have my bear, when I have my bear chain hat on, I'm a Cosmos boy. But when I have my Redacted <laughs> hat on, like we're going for ETH, you know, like that's what we want to become like. You know, we want to become like one of the biggest apps on, on Ethereum, right? And um, the way I look at it is like, you know, in order to, to strive there, like we really have to get down to that layer and not really focus on launching like a layer two or something like that, right? Because I feel like there's more value to actually be extracted on mainnet than there is moving up to the layer twos. Mm. Got it. Yeah. I would say like after learning about their chain and taking a deep dive into that more, I became... That was the first time I really looked into anything Cosmos because I've you know been hearing about it for years. I mm -hmm. remember in like 2017, 2018, when, when people were talking about Tendermint, I was like, what is this? And those guys have just been quietly building and, you know, between all these different Cosmos chains, whether it was, you know, Osmo, uh, Kronos is on Cosmos, what else, Juno, um, and now Bear Chain, like they're, they're doing a lot. And now they're all in a Medi, no, they're all in Columbia right now for Cosmos first. There's like, <laughs> I'm just like, oh. I'm having like a tiny bit of FOMO down there, but I'm an yeah, ETH boy yeah. too. But like, you can respect like the yeah, grind that totally we're putting in. Cosmos. Yeah, you can respect like, Cosmos. Dude, if if Cosmos had the BD power of like Polygon, I think they'd be so oh, like, much further away, like ahead rather. Because I I went to Cosmoverse in uh, Portugal last year as well, and it was like very, you know, they have a the challenge, and it's, it's quite public that they have a challenge getting dev to really onboard and really build out that that ecosystem but those who do adopt the cosmos hat they become diehards immediately they feel like you know you could build up your version of ethereum on cosmos you like ethereum that much you can have one <laughs> you know like it's yeah it's pretty yeah. much bear chain <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. well that's the thing right like now now i'm talking about I, I've been building Redacted for nine months now, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I've been doing that every single day. And, like, I'm thinking about it more and more. And, like, the concept of a smart contract is actually holding us all back, right? <laughs> all, us, all of us builders, the concept of a smart contract is what's actually holding us back from, like, you know, uh, reaching that next stage of, like, adoption, right? And, um, like I said, like, <clears throat> helping the bear chain guys a lot now. And I, when I start to like wear my hat and say, okay, this is the stuff we can do on top of bear chain, but wait, we can play around with the mempool. We can create uh, mesh security with the Cosmos hub. We can do isolated mempools with this and we can change around the validators with that. It gives you so much like more to work with, uh, which is why I'd say like, you know, that's why like a big focus for me now is just like, yeah, I mean, I've just been repeating myself, eh? but like, um, it's sort of just like keep working down because you unlock so many, so much new potential that no one has tapped into yet. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's what I'm really bullish on right now. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there, there, but with Ethereum, I have to say there is some merit for merit for a certain set of standards that everyone has to follow with smart contracts and, you know, with certain things, um, you know, everybody has to play by, you know, the, the same rules on the same field and share, sure. and de yeah. yeah, 
definitely for, yeah. for, for a user facing application though right mm-hmm. um and then how long are these protocols really user facing right um all the ones who have truly made it right uh, are not user facing applications anymore right like in the real world anyways b2b is like a much bigger opportunity for most people than going True. directly to consumer right mm-hmm. i think i think that there is a world where like people will fight over like consumer attention but it looks like centralized exchanges and the bscs of the world will like you know capture that you know for us <clears throat> who are trying to like innovate and continue building like really the the bigger opportunity is focusing um on working with other DAOs and other other smart con- uh, other like blockchains and stuff like that right and that's really where the value is to be captured right like uh, th- there's a huge problem in this industry where like everyone is so focused on going everyone is so focused on capturing like retail's attention when actually there's like an untapped gold mine, which is uh, <clears throat> value extraction from the chain itself. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this then, Sammy, what does success look like for butterfly? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, we, we already know what our end goal is, right? Um, and our end goal is to sort of be, um, <clears throat> this uh, back-end liquidity engine that the same way you plug in. Um, <clears throat> uh, it's a bad example, but I think it's an easy example for like non-technical people to understand. The same way you plug in Chainlink into your smart contracts, the same way you have open Zeppelin standards, the same way you have, um, the same way you're using like Truffle and Ganache or something even, you know? The same way you're using these things to launch your application today. The goal for Redacted by the end of next year <clears throat> is to have a fully immutable set of smart contract tools that when people are building out their governance architecture and their token distribution standard, um, they're using Redacted to do that. Got well, it. And, but... and, and in that success case, what would the benefits accrue to RL Butterfly and you know GL Butterfly look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> at I'll, well, I, I guess this is this is a question for value capture or fees or. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so. Uh, the butterfly token, uh, like I said, when we reach a stage of immutability, there will be no governance per se, right? Um, but with the RL butterfly token, we hope that we can um, create this like uh, product that people can like you know lock their butterfly into, and they can directly see a hundred percent of the fees that are getting accumulated by the things that people are building on top of Pyrex, on top of Hidden Hand, on on top of Dinero, right? Um, whereas with the GL butterfly, uh, token, that's sort of like a product that we'll release, um, for <clears throat> other DAOs and other, um, bigger market participants, let's say to not take the dollar value that's being created by redacted, but extract the governance power that's being created by redacted, the meta governance power that's being created by redacted. Does, does that answer the question or not really? Well, it, it answers it for, for me, cause I I'm f- familiar with the deep system. Um, but for like, I'm trying to understand if butterfly gets to a stage where it becomes immutable and no longer needs governance to help control it. The value of GL butterfly is really just on the meta governance level, right? Cause butterfly is self-operating and immutable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, even we're going to put out GL butterfly before we become immutable. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is like when we still have governance active, like both the RL token and the GL token can govern the redacted platform. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I see. I, I thought yeah, yeah. So the GL governance power was to... separated. Yeah. <clears throat> no, no, no. So GL would solely be to manage 
the assets that have been accrued in the treasury for, you know, accessing governance at like a better rate than the vanilla tokens. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so G, like RL and GL can exist in a system where we're immutable or not immutable because if we have governance active, like both the tokens can manage the redacted platform, right? Yeah. Like I said, we're not really focused too much on like the redacted platform mm-hmm. governance because we want to get rid of that entirely, right? So GL has always been focused on the abstraction of the governance within the protocol. Got it. Yeah, I wanted to get into Pyrex a bit again because I was snooping around your governance forum before our interview and I saw a little alpha with a GMX um, being integrated into Pyrex. So um, I saw that proposal. Can you go into that a bit more? and how it works. Yeah, totally. So um, I guess like for those who aren't familiar, the first Pyrex protocol, like the um, <clears throat> MVP was with the CVX token, right? Um, <clears throat> and now we're at a stage where the second round of audits for the new code base have been finalized and the, the new code base is like much more composable and easier to like fit into basically any, any token that exists right now. Um, <clears throat> So we're going to keep on pushing out the next set of like Pyrex products. And the first one, like you just mentioned, is, is GMX, right? Um, <clears throat> the, the, the thing is, like, we, we looked across like a bunch of different products, right? Like you could do FXS, you could do some of the things that are already on Hidden Hand. You could do, you can do anything really with the new Pyrex, with the new Pyrex module, right? Um, the, the concept is quite simple, but <clears throat> GMX has this thing because they are on Arbitrum, like they lack a, a bunch of money Legos on Arbitrum right now. And that's why a lot of people are building there. And um, <clears throat> we looked at like the future roadmap for GMX um, since um, new GLPs or like user created GLPs, all these different things. And we think like there will be <clears throat> a significant amount of like governance value that will be created out of the GMX token solely because of like, it's clearly like the direction that with like all the new things they're putting out. Um, and on top of that, it's a fee monster, right? Um, with not an easy way to like auto compound the rewards, right? Because of ESGMX and stuff like that. Um, so for us, we think like putting Pyrex on GMX is <clears throat> the next natural thing to do because it really proves Pyrex's PMF um, <clears throat> by essentially showing people that you can put in something like the GLP in there, you get back liquid tokens of the ESGMX, you get back your liquid GLP, which is auto compounding, all this sort of stuff. And then we show users that Using Pyrex, you can actually sell future GLP yield. You can sell um, <clears throat> future GMX governance power, all that sort of stuff in like a super simple, easy way. Um, and then as GMX starts to roll out all these things, we'll sort of already be there. So we're kind of taking a bet on GMX with Pyrex. Um, but I think just in terms of like, it's a really like early stage ecosystem that like not a lot of people are like recognizing the value in. maybe from like a price standpoint they are. But from like a builder's perspective and like a value extraction perspective, like a lot of people are not seeing that. So we think like um, the next logical step for us is to put Pyrex on GMX. Yeah. And with Pyrex and because you said you split between like the principal and like the fee generating part of the token, do you guys face liquidity issues at all when trying to like make markets for the fee generating part of the token? Like how do you deal with that and how do you solve that? Yeah. Yeah. So the, it's not like the prettiest answer, but I'd say like, um <clears throat> the in terms of like the liquidity the lp token right you have mm-hmm. your you have your wrap token paired against the base token um the way we solve that for convex right now uh, it's a bit different because we have we have 
we're like one of the biggest holders of CVX, right? Um, so we were able to like direct CVX there and build the build the LP naturally. But with um, GMX, we actually have like a really cool standard, um, which I think is like a problem that a lot of people face right now with the, the different GLP auto compounders that exist is that there's no way for them to actually get out, right? There's no liquidity for them to like exit their position, which is preventing a lot of large deposits. But <clears throat> the way we've designed it is that the fees that we do capture on um, the PX GMX product are 100% rerouted in the early days, 100% rerouted back into Hidden Hand, which is our other product, which then incentivizes balancer, balancer um, holders to vote for our LP, um, which will in turn um, basically create a flywheel. This is a flywheel pod. <laughs> It'll create a flywheel where the more people that use Pyrex GMX will actually increase the fees, which increases the depth of liquidity so that the liquidity pool is always being... Um, it's only going up with the amount of people that are depositing in Pyrex. So you can guarantee uh, that like if your deposit comes in, like a really simple way of putting it is like the fees aren't 5%, but let's say they are. Um, if you put in $100 into Pyrex, $5 of that is basically used to then go on Balancer and make sure that we get $10 of Balancer rewards, aka like $10 of liquidity um, to put back into your position so that you can get out. Mm. It, was that your question or not really? Yeah, uh, yeah, and I didn't even think of that. I like the composability between your products right there. And like, I feel like we should take a shot every time a flywheel is mentioned. I wish I had like... Oh, like, that's such a good name. <laughs> like, I should have like a shot glass just filled out next time and somebody, every time like a flywheel is created or like laid out, just take a shot. Oh, that's, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah that be, uh, kind of that's such a clever design. So essentially every dollar that i use to deposit a part of that dollar is actually used in incentives to inten incentivize more liquidity into that pool for me no dollars so that, to waste yeah so that you can yeah no dollar goes to waste so that you can always make sure that you get out of your if, if i need to and so yeah. pyrex are pyrex markets made on using balancer did i get that right uh no, no. or balancer so, rewards okay go ahead well that's like the hidden hand part right um mm -hmm. but Pyrex can be used for anything, right? It can be used for an L1 token. It can be used for something like GMX, Convex, FXS, whatever the case is. It can be used for stable coins, right? Um, anything that is like creating yield, it, like Pyrex can be applied to. When Pyrex FXS? Yeah, we talked about it. <clears throat> I think like, you know, because um, we have a bunch of FXS also. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> we looked at like, some of the competitors that exist right now. And I think like uh, our better offering to like the Frax ecosystem is actually hidden hand because of some of the new features we're rolling out for it. Um, so we're putting like a lot of our effort on the Frax ecosystem solely on um, hidden hand rather than like the Pyrex standpoint, because I think like the, the products that are being offered to people right now are like, they do the job, if you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, what are you thinking for your new offering? Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> we have a bunch of FXS in the treasury right now. Mm -hmm. And I think like there's um, <clears throat> compared to Balancer or compared to Convex, um, you look at the voting efficiency and just the way the LPs are designed and the way the gauges are designed, I'm sure they'll change eventually. Um, but <clears throat> it's, let's see this, it's more optimal for you to bribe Convex than it is to bribe uh, FXS, right? But we're actually creating a system where we're repurposing the FXS that we've accumulated over the past few months to go as like a vote booster to anyone who bribes through Hidden Hand. 
Um, so we've talked with, you might've seen the new Badger Fax BP proposal. Mm. Anyone who has the Fax BP, um, one thing we're going to do is basically tell people that like, if you bribe through Hidden Hand, um, you can actually get a more efficient rate by bribing FXS than you can by bribing CBX. Um, so we're going to hopefully divert some of the uh, bribe attention over from Convex to Frax by repurposing our FXS as using it as like a booster mechanism. Mm. The, Got does that it. Make sense? <laughs> I'm saying, with, yeah. like, I don't mean to like come onto the flywheel pod and talk about like flywheels, but at the same time, like these are just like random no. <laughs> strategies just, that we're doing to like increase. This is just we just riffs and go, you know, and just have a natural conversation. If the conversation leads to flywheels, then so be it. <laughs> so, so we got to take a shot, <laughs> you know. You got to take a yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect for yeah. It's perfect for Frax, eh? Because I think like the user base of Frax and these people that are creating Frax VPs, like. This is what they want, right? Like the reason they're pairing against Frax VP is for like deep, deep liquidity, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like Convex is like super competitive right now. Um, <clears throat> but like a, you, you as a new project can like launch with a Frax VP and leverage um, the hidden hand Frax V2 and like, you know, get like you can get ahead of the competition and say that. Got it. So you're right. talking about using FXS to vote on the FXS gauges instead of voting on the CVX gauges because those things are super competitive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or you bribe the FXS holders to vote for your thing, and then we would mm-hmm. blacklist our FXS, so you can essentially get like a two x. Oh, so it's a boost. It depends, on the, the... depends on the size, yeah. But like essentially, like a two x vote boost on your bribes for like bribing FXS instead of CBS. If your size is size, then you get that boost. <laughs> this is this is part of the reason that like you know this is part of the reason that like I don't regret doing the old model because now we have so much stuff in our treasury where we can put out. Um, super novel ideas like this and like, you know, um, find usage in, in new ways. No, I agree. Like the fact that you use the bonding mechanism to get all that CVX, CRV and FXS when you started was such a bootstrap that, you know, you, you kind of develop this moat for, for yourselves and you can use that, you know, and create products that other protocols couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's the goal. I must go. Yeah. And, and- I'm I'm trying to understand the um, fees that come off of uh, hidden hands, right? And these fees normally come in whatever native token the bribe is, right? Whether it be Aura, RPL, or you know whatever it is. Do those bribes get swapped into like ETH or swap into something else, or do they come in as is and stay as is in the treasury? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, using hidden hand as an example, there's a four percent fee. 2% goes to the treasury, 2% goes to the holders. Um, <clears throat> uh, what goes back to the holders is converted back into ETH, right? Um, so that is converted back into WETH. What comes into the treasury, it really depends on what our um, community elected strategic mm-hmm. asset committee decides to do with it. Um, but there is projects um, that are uh, power users of our protocol, like Aura, that have come to the DAO and said, hey, can you whitelist us to, like, you know, because we're putting a, like X percent of our supply through Hidden Hand. Like, can you whitelist us to like, you know, not um, harvest it back into ETH or something? So it's really a case by case basis. But I'd say for the Got most it. part, like we try to give our holders um, something easily, something easy and manageable to work with. Right. Um, yeah. Got it. And obviously you guys are expanding into RB with the GMX move. Do you kind of foresee going to other L2s? Or do you mm-hmm. pretty much just want to stay on RB? <clears throat> we talked with ZK Sync today, actually. That was pretty fun. Um, 
we'll see what that ecosystem sort of turns out to to look like. But there's some cool shit on zk sync, like uh, paying for gas and tokens other than ETH. Um, <clears throat> there's also Optimism, which we've deployed Balancer. Uh, we've deployed the Balancer market onto Optimism as well. We're talking with uh, KeyDAO, which is there on Optimism. Mm-hmm. Um, a <clears throat> couple other things there. Avalanche, we're doing some fun stuff with. Um, that's more of a side chain than an L2. But Arbitrum, obviously, I think we announced uh, Plutus. We're coming over there with it in hand. And then Pyrex with Art. We're trying to get every, anywhere and everywhere, dude. Anywhere and everywhere. Wait, can we go back to ZK Sync? I'm definitely yeah, I was gonna be like that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Um, so I, I guess like, what's going on with ZK Sync? Are they coming? Is is there ZKVM eminent? Um, like, is there like a lot of? Do you know if there's a lot of progress there? And like, what other projects are you excited about on ZK Sync? Where you can see? Well, I'm the wrong person to ask. Well, I'm the wrong person to ask. Like, <laughs> definitely. Well, they told me like they told me like soon TM right. Like, that can mean a lot of things. Um, yeah, <laughs> but so like you know, I, I'd imagine yeah. that can mean a lot of things. You know what I mean? Um, but it could like, be next you know, week. Just, it could, yeah, it could mean like five months from now. Who knows? Yeah, I'd assume the fact that they're like hitting up like a bunch of like ETH. I know that we're not the only project they talk to. Like, I'd assume that like because they're talking to a bunch of projects right now, it really is soon TM. Um, and uh, some projects that we're excited about on there. You know, for us, like. <clears throat> Uh, just thinking about like the way our product products work right now, um, <clears throat> it makes more sense for us to work with like projects that are like native to chains rather than projects that have deployed to chains. So for mm. us, we can get more out of the native zk sync decks than we can out of Curve deploying on zk sync, as an example, right? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, like we're excited about zk land. Um, see, like we got that chat spinned up. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, Sammy's just scrolling through his telegram to see all the groups that's being made right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Infinite groups. I love when, like, you talk to, like, a new chain or something. Like, it's like kind of like bear chain. I love when you talk to, like, a new chain and there's, like, actually, like, new things for you to, like, do and, like, leverage to your, like, advantage, right? So yeah. I think there'll be, like, a ton of cool stuff that gets built on this chain, to be honest. How big is the team right now for Redacted? We're at... 17 people right now damn that's a damn that's a solid number yeah 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 um yeah yeah it's a mix of devs bd policy people um yeah i'd say like 17 like full-time folks and then like maybe like five or so part-time what's it like setting policy for redacted Oh man, it's a pain. You hear all the things we're talking about. It's a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can only but, uh, imagine like all the fine intricacies of like every protocol and whatnot. Yeah, but then you see sometimes like this stuff that crosses over between Pyrex and Hidden Hand, and then sometimes you have to get the treasury involved with bootstrapping a new Hidden Hand market, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So um, we do try to make them all work together and like composable. Um, <clears throat> so it's it's a lot, right? But I'd say like it's nothing that we can't handle. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Uh, I want to bring it back to Frax um, for a sec. Um, I guess, uh, where do you see Frax's place in DeFi from your observation? <clears throat> yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'd say, like, you know, like with Frax, um, there's a bunch of different things that are coming out now, like Frax Land, Frax Swap, Frax ETH, etc. But I think, like, in the end of the day, like, it all kind of really revolves around the Frax stablecoin more than any of the other products, right? Um, 
not to like not to like give fracks strategy advice because clearly they don't need that um but like you know i think like um using like the new things that they're putting out to like show examples of how composable the frax stable coin can be is kind of like really a good move because i think like now with like frax lend coming out i think like it'll actually the the bet the better part about frax lend will not really be like the fees that are created or like the adoption that sees but the fact that like other DeFi protocols will look at it and see oh if we just integrated frax instead of dai instead of lusd whatever um then we could have unlocked this functionality or this feature right and then this, you could say the same thing about frax swap or whatever right mm-hmm. um so i think <clears throat> Uh, the new products that are coming out are like super exciting just to show like from a composability standpoint what it could look like if you revolved your whole dApps stablecoin aspect to revolve around frax rather than like the dies or usdc's of the world um, because i think that's like super powerful so i think um the way i see frax fitting in is like really more around the stable coins than the protocols uh, that they're launching but i think uh that's like more exciting actually than like the protocols they're launching if that makes sense you sound excited about both. <laughs> I sound excited about both. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't used like Fraxland yet, but I think like um, I, I understand like what they're going for, for sure. But I think like it's really going to unlock like a ton of new money markets that are like I think like it'll unlock the ability for like Ave to like look at Frax and be like, oh shit, like there's like a holy, there's like a completely novel Ave like lending market that we can create around Frax and like just around that, just by creating that like you know um really capital efficient ltv then like mm-hmm. people will be more inclined to borrow frax than they will be inclined to borrow die or something when the, when the time comes yeah and those numbers make a difference people do look at those rates and be like where can i get the best deal i mean that's how exactly. some of it was like yeah exactly <laughs> yeah have you used frax swap well last time i checked frax swap it was just um fpi fpi fpis fax and fxs right no, they added a bunch more assets. There's Sin, okay, there's Sin. Zigzag. Yeah. yeah, no, I've actually used the TUM before. I'm like, wow, this is a, it's a DCA machine. This is really cool. Yeah, I got to <laughs> gotta get hit, bro. I got to get hit. I'm using, like, honestly, like, yeah, I think, like, again, maybe, like, I'm using the things that I'm excited about. So, like, actually, like, I'm paying more attention to, like, the Frax BP stuff, um, mm-hmm. just from like a yield perspective, and then looking at like the gauges and how we can like get the most out of that. So mm-hmm. again, like I think maybe that's why I'm more excited about the stable coin itself because I think like there's way uh, more like there's way more to get unlocked from that end than I think um, the products that are coming out. But it's cool that there's like fucking like eight different things that are like coming out that like different people are excited about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah different things from and it all <laughs> and it all ties back to the frax stable coin right that's why on the frax check our weekly frax check we always end with what is the frax circulating supply because we just need that number to go up and to the right and then we would have like truly on-chain liquidity for all your needs you need to lend we got a big market for that you want to swap big your size is size we got a market for that you know, I, I think that's definitely the bull case for me too, is to have the frax exactly. like everywhere. It's, it's the stable coin itself. Yeah, yeah it's DeFi's native stable dollar stable coin. Yeah. That's like, you know, I'd be like I'd like for example, like you just mentioned like sin is on like frax swap, right? Like I think mm-hmm. to put it in perspective of what I'm saying, like I'd be way more excited about like learning about like a new frax AMO that's like powering frax to be more multi chain through synapse than like sin listing on frax swap, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, continuing on, where do you see the relationship between Frax and Redacted going in the future? And how do you see you guys having a symbiotic relationship? 
<clears throat> yeah, hundred percent. Um, we've had like a close relationship with Frax like since we launched. They eh? like they were the, they, the the next asset we started bonding after CRV and CVX was FXS. We have a significant amount of supply, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> relatively speaking. Um, and um, I'm excited about the ways that we're buying it, right? Um, with respects to FXS gauges and stuff like that. Um, we've become super tight with like a lot of the projects that are building there. Pitch. Um, there's like there was like another privacy one that we talked to not too long ago. Um, so we're excited about like a lot of the projects that are building on top of Frax. Um, and I think again for us, like you know the, <clears throat> the the protocols that we have or like the token supplies that we have, like it can only do so much. So like for me, like I'm now I'm like pretty excited about Pitch or something. Or I'm pretty excited about. Um, one of the other projects building on top of Frax because then that enables us to like leverage our FXS in more ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I think like you know it's it's a good it's a good working relationship. Um, I think there'll be more stuff. Eventually, there'll be a pit. Uh, eventually, there'll be a, a PX FXS PX pitch, all this sort of stuff, right? Um, one day. Um, so, Ooh. I think like you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's, there'll be a ton of cool stuff that comes out because you know Frax has like the Frax has like the same uh, Frax has like that that dog mentality that like we like. <laughs> I, I, I just want dog in them. <laughs> dog in them. I just want to rewind really quick. Uh, the moment you said PX pitch, my mind just like froze. Like <laughs> it was like there's a glitch in the matrix right there. Like that would be so meta of you to do. You have meta on meta. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people just assume that Pitch is like a competitor or something. Right? Um, like I talk with Charlie like frequently. Um, super cool dude. Like this, yeah. this really like the the zone that we're in or like the field that like we're trying to play in um, has no competitors, right? In the sense that like the stuff we're building is like so composable that there's like <laughs> you know there's there's no reason for to be competitive with anyone, right? Um, there's like always a way for us to work together with protocols and make your protocol better and also make ours better. So like, yeah. you know, we yeah. really don't have like a competitive mindset with anyone. I can, like the same, the same is said for like the narrow, you know, um, like when mm. the narrow comes out, like we're not coming for like Frax's neck or something, right? Like we're just like, <laughs> like we have our own thing that we try to plug into and play into. And like the way we build things or the way we um, try to architect our different modules is to be like, able to like plug into things that people would consider competitors against. Yeah. Kudos to you guys for Got it. Um, yeah, having I feel this like pass- you, oh, go ahead. I was going to say like Sammy and uh, Sam over uh, Sam K from Frax, they both have this like net positive, positive always grow, grow, grow together, together, stronger type of mentality, which I feel is so critical to like the success of DeFi across the board. Um, but especially this early especially this early and i i know we've been kind of like bull tarting across this whole pod this whole time so you know i i gotta come in with some <laughs> you know barra stuff rather than just barra chain so sammy <laughs> like what are some fears or things that kind of keep you up at night uh that's a good question Nate. um <clears throat> You know, one thing that's like really getting getting on my nerves recently is like uh, I wouldn't say like the censorship of like DApps. I think like DApps got to do what they got to do, but I think like there's talk, right? And usually when there's talk, that means that eventually it'll turn into a narrative. Um, but there's talk about like 
censorship at like the transaction level, right? Through Infura one day, maybe um, Flashbots, maybe, right? And I think that's part of the inspiration by like creating Dinero. Um, but I think like, you know, when you start messing with um, <clears throat> the consensus of a chain, like that keeps me up at night because that means that you're, that means that you're like, um, that means that that's kind of like a threat to like my organization or my DAO that I've been working on building on your chain for all this time, right? Um, so like the things I'd say, like the things under me are kind of like what's concerning. I'd say, I'd say the application layer, the obvious answer would be like regulation and stuff like that. But I think that's like, um, people are a bit like in over their heads about that. I think it's kind of just like natural, you know, the same thing happened for like a lot of industries that were like competitive, right? Um, it's not that big of a deal. I think like a lot of us will find our way around it, but I'd say like, uh, it gets scary when you start thinking about like how low they can really go um, <clears throat> uh, with respect to like censoring transactions and stuff. I think that's like a big issue someday. Yeah, it really keeps us all in limbo. No pun intended. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Wow, yeah. bro, you picked the existential fear <laughs> to, to <laughs> lay it on everybody. Because but it's true. It's true. This is make or break, like all of the us. That, yeah, the, the thing is that nothing else is existential, right? Like True. people are so scared about like DeFi apps getting regulated. Like it's not that bad of a thing. Actually, like more T the more regulated DeFi becomes, I, could, I bet you there'll be a direct correlation with the amount of TVL that comes in. And it also helps a lot of us founders like know how to operate in the space, right? Like mm -hmm. no one's doing anything illegal, right? Like, oh, I mean, some people are scamming and doing illegal things, but like everyone's just operating in a gray zone. So like, Regulation in DeFi is not that bad of a thing, right? The problem is that when you start trying to regulate the chain itself, like that to me is a bigger issue than like the dApps, like figuring out how to register or something like that, you know? Yeah. It's like regulating internet service providers on like what yeah, can and can't go through. Up, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Then there'd be no open internet, honestly. It would just be the same as TV channels or radio stations or something. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully like, you know, we never get there. But the thing is like, we actually have to like, as an industry, like we actually have to put more focus instead of like getting mad at like Avi for like blocking US users or something like, come on, come on, bro. You know, like the, the bigger issue is like not there, you know, like that's something that can easily be solved as like more people figure out what's going on. Right. But like, I don't think a lot of people, like, maybe because people aren't technical, but like a lot of people don't realize how easy it is to actually like now with POS and stuff to like actually go and like start censoring transactions. Right. And that's goes completely against what we're trying to do, right? Yeah, so what do you think, or do you have any ideas on what we should do to, you know, keep that drum beating against, you know, censoring transactions and, you know, keeping Ethereum and just this whole world open? Dinero, bro, Dinero. No, Dinero, um, you heard, you've been hearing it here. <laughs> Dinero. Plug. <laughs> Plug. No, no, you, like, Again, it's too early for any of this shit, man. Like, mm -hmm. it's too early to tell, like, what we really have to be focusing on. I think it's dope of, like, Infura to, like, you know, now release, like, a decentralized solution. I think, like, people talk a lot about, like, decentralized front-ends, but I'm starting to see, like, a lot of people actually starting to work on them. Um, that Like, I see, like, uh, subgraphs are getting more, like, developer help, which means it'll be easier to launch these things. So, like, people are heading in the right direction, you know? Like, um, the thing is, we just don't want to have the the worst happen right like even if the even if something bad really does happen right where like uh, like a tornado cash situation right um that like really opens up people's eyes to like build a decentralized github and build this and build that and um i think like 
I think like the industry is like starting to get there, you know. So I wouldn't say it like keeps me up at night, but I'd say like it's something that like people don't talk about enough. Yeah, absolutely. I think Tornado Cash really woke a lot of people up on what is possible um, in the worst way. And people yeah, are starting yeah, to think. Very, I mean, yeah. like right now, for sure, people think there's a lot of people out there that think like the worst thing that can happen is like a DeFi protocol getting shut down or something, you know, because of regulations. Like it can get it can get worse than that, you know, and actually like that's like, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, one thing people could do is run, you know, I think with proof of stake, it's easier to run your own nodes or like at least mm-hmm. light clients on your own desktop or even browser. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so like that's one, another thing. Yeah. yeah, definitely like need more education there, you know, definitely. Don't ask what Ethereum can do for you. Ask what you can do for Ethereum. You know, 100%. there you go. 100%. There you go. <laughs> right here, baby. You right know, here. this is the thing, like we just said, <laughs> We all said we're ETH boys, right? But like, I feel bad for like the other chains, bro. Like, you know, like, um, yeah, like Ethereum is like, yeah, like Ethereum is Ethereum. And like, you know, the things that they could do if they wanted to is scary. But like, you know, these other chains, bro, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of happy, like we're building on Ethereum. Yeah, no, I think ETH holds a special place in all our hearts, mainly because, you know, it it showed like, this is like what you can do with smart contracts that are truly sovereign, immutable, and permissionless and they were the first ones to do it and they really and they built in the face of such adversity and went through so many different dark periods from their launch to the dow to the last bear market like this bear market it seems like roses compared to the rest i mean that might not seem seem like the place for for the class of 2020 2021 but like Ethereum went through a lot of shit to get to where it is today and like upheld those values like throughout that that entire time so yeah you know what the issue was before it was that like when like the stuff started to happen like the last bear cycle when a lot of the, the um, bad stuff came to light like a lot of people were like holy shit like crypto's dead right like i don't think anyone i think everyone's mindset now is like okay this is like something that has to get fixed and like people mm-hmm. are starting to work on it whereas like before like something would happen and everyone's like okay it's over you know it's over it's, <laughs> over. Yeah, it's over yeah i mean we got so lucky kind of with regulation last cycle because there's a universe where Ethereum got ruled of security um, by the last administration, but what actually happened was it got ruled, you know, it was a security during sale, but eventually became decentralized enough. Um, and that, you know, that actually set a precedent for other protocols in the future to decentralize over time and become immutable over time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think that's kind of like the wave, the, the wave, like we're on, to be honest, um, like we really are putting like a big focus on immutability after the Dinero launch because like I think like we're confident, like we're really confident in the stuff that we've built and like the way it can be used and stuff and like, you know, um we can we can focus like the efforts we can focus like the the brain power that we've like consolidated and redacted to like, you know, help like do more good than like, you know, um constantly like confusing users on what our flywheels are. <laughs> yeah. Not just a positive sum player on the application level in DeFi and in the DeFi ecosystem, but a positive sum player on the consensus level in the Ethereum ecosystem. That's that's where it all matters, bro. That's where it all matters. That's what all matters. Yeah. Facts. Um, I I do wanted to ask you, Sammy, before we hop off here, like outside of DeFi, are there other areas and applications you know, on Ethereum that kind of excites you? Yeah, you you we were talking about like Portugal and shit. I was working out of this office, right? Um, mm-hmm. And like the guys from 
Oh, actually, no, it wasn't in the office. It was in like the hacker house I was staying in. Um, they were working on this thing called like VitaDAO, which I think is like getting a lot of love from like Gitcoin and stuff right now. I think a lot more people know about it. But it's like this concept of like DSI, right? Like decentralized science um, <clears throat> focused on uh, uh, biochemistry, pharma, all this sort of stuff and like bringing it on chain and like using Ethereum to like focus on IP uh, or like the financialization of like IP rather than like the financialization of like already financialized tools, right? Um, <clears throat> so I'd say like if I was not working on DeFi stuff, like that would probably be like something that like interests me. I can't say like NFTs make me like put a smile on my face, but I think like <laughs> DeSci is like something that's cool that's like bubbling up that I think will like catch steam next bullet maybe. Cool. Cool. What about you guys? That's a good question. Um, I've just been bear pills the past few weeks. To be honest. Oh, me too, bro. Me yeah. Too. Um, other things I'm excited about are, you know, primitives building on top of Uniswap v3. I find that really interesting just because we talked about before how, you know, building applications that aren't for consumers that are more B2B. I kind of view Uniswap v3 as that for financial protocols and seeing things like Arrakis, Panoptic. Um, other ones that are using like the LP primitives for liquidity management or for even like making options themselves, I think is quite interesting. Um, also just like ZK stuff. Like I think like ZK will be a real zero to one moment, especially like ZK sync, getting those fees down. Like that's going to make a huge difference. I think that's going to onboard a lot more people. I mean, you guys took everything is I you, wanted to is say. You v3 that, <laughs> is you v3 that decks for you? You need v3? Um, is that I think, like, is that like the winner? I'm, I wouldn't say it's the winner. No, not, I mean, it, I, I mean, at the end of the day, like aggregators are the ones that route everything. Um, I, I just find like Uniswap BT, like really interesting, like playing with as, as like an LP, like playing with like the concentrated liquidity ranges, you know, finding like w w the hidden gems on like, you know, which like 1% pairs are like the real money makers at the moment. I just have like a lot of fun with that. And it's kind of just like a game of like, how long can you like be in it before, before like, you know, there's like a big move or not. Cause the thing with LP on Uniswap B3 is like, you could be like profitable for like months and months and months, but it takes one big swing and boom, like all your gains are just like washed out. And that's what makes it like re really dangerous, but also a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I can't. I, I'm a curve boy, but I can't. Yeah, no, I I love curve too, especially like I mean, you can't go wrong with like stable swaps or like anything there. Like I, I don't have like a preference, but like as like an LP, I just have like I from my time at Gelato and like studying like G like for G Uni and whatnot. That's how I've got. Mm. You know, that's my kind of background with Uni V3. I mean, in general, LPs are definitely becoming more of like, I think like when DeFi first started becoming a thing, right? Like people definitely viewed LPs as like something that users should be doing. Whereas I feel like now <laughs> definitely like I know for, well, I don't know for a fact, but like you can just tell like Uniswap is like going to be like maybe with V4 and stuff will be like depending on more institutions to be like oh, yeah. LPs and um, the protocols to be managing their own liquidity and stuff like that. So I feel yeah. like LPs is like, you know, kind of out of the question, right? Like then, if LPs are out of the question, like what is the big focus for the decks, right? And then you'd say like, okay, like probably like um, <clears throat> like swap efficiency and stuff like that, right? And like mm -hmm. I just don't see anyone coming close to curve in that sense. Yeah, 
It's funny. I don't, I call them uh, not automated market makers, but automated market takers. <laughs> exactly. It's more accurate. But then, why do you guys feel Uniswap still captures like seventy percent of all of Dex volume? See, aggregators, man. They just route, you know, especially like for like a lot of long tail assets. Like that's where like Uniswap B three shines. First mover advantage, bro. First mover. Yeah, first mover too. You know, there was a time when there was a, there was a time when IDEX did more volume than Uniswap. I remember oh, IDEX. Damn, throwback. There's a time when Ether Delta did more volume than Uniswap. So again, it's too early to tell. Like I, yeah, I remember trading on IDEX. I remember trading on NewDEX, which was like when I was when that was on EOS back in my like. EOS had DeFi before DeFi, unpopular <laughs> opinion, because they had like all this like stuff with like staking EOS and this and that, but it was just like... The logo yeah. was like an egg, right? With, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 it was a tetrahedron or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, what about you, Kit? We never got to you. Like, what are you excited about? I mean, I I'm excited to see how all these like L2 play out like i'm wondering if there's going to be this like roll up as a service where everybody just kind of spins up their own roll up instead of having a smart contract anymore i'm just going to roll up and pop it and if i needed to use this smart contract for this one nft mint and then after i roll it up i roll it down like i, I wonder if we're mm -hmm. going to see that like what behavior is going to come out of all this like roll up and roll up centric future and how easy it is to roll up and roll down. Like, that's what I want to see. Will people choose roll ups or will they choose Cosmos sovereign? I was going to say, bro, you need to get Cosmos built. You need to get Cosmos built. Like what, what is, where are they going to choose? I feel like if Cosmos this step the up thing, their right? BD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cosmos needs to step up their BD for sure. But like, you know, it's interesting. You know what like the, the golden, the golden mixture is, is like Cosmos hub is Ethereum and then L2s are Cosmos zones, right? Like mm -hmm. Cosmos zones are definitely a better alternative for you than like launching an L2 in my humble opinion. But like at the base layer, like no one is coming close to Ethereum, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it's like, to me, it seems like, you know, Cosmos zones, you just have like, especially like working with the bear chain guys recently, like, you know, when you start talking about, yeah, like consensus and things like that. And like now like Celestia, like you're playing around with like DA and shit. Like no one mm -hmm. is playing around with DA on Ethereum, right? Like I think like, um, <clears throat> I think like that's the move to be honest if you're talking about like roll ups. But I, I can get I like roll ups excite me too for what it's worth. L two is exciting. Like let's let's double click on that DA. So DA is data availability, but could you explain to kind of like the listeners at home how that modular stack look like? Yeah. So <clears throat> with a blockchain you, you essentially have like um four four different parts, right? At the very bottom, you have like the data availability layer, which is sort of just like kind of what the name is, right? It's sort of like the, the layer that is storing the data, which like others can like pull from, right? And and <clears throat> Celestia's like thesis is that, um, you know, while Ethereum se separates um, the settlement layer from the execution layer, right? You Ethereum, the L1 is still doing DA and settlement at the same time, right? Um, <clears throat> and that is the DA is actually what's clogging um, Ethereum, right? Like you, people are starting to talk about um, uh, paying rent for storage and all this kind of shit, right? Like on Ethereum, right? And while uh, separating the execution layer does help scale the chain, um, the thing that's really clogging us is actually the DA, right? 
Um, so <clears throat> Celestia's sort of thesis, which is a Cosmos chain, is like, you know, create something where people can create, yes, their own like settlement layer, um, create their own like settlement layer and create their own execution layer, all that sort of shit, but not have to worry about the chain getting clogged up with like, this, is, this hasn't become an issue yet because all these chains are really new, right? Um, Ethereum is starting to see these problems now. We're starting to foresee these problems now. Um, but yeah, I won't go on a rant, but yeah. Wait, what did, what's the difference between Cosmos Hub and Cosmos Zones? Um, well, Cosmos Hub is like the Atom chain, right? Okay. That's where they want to do the interchain security from and like, that's kind of like the main port when you're doing IBC and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. The chain that's getting validated by Atom is the Cosmos Hub, and then Verichain and uh, oh, and all these chains are considered zones. Did you? See, I was gonna say, did you see the? Didn't Atom release new tokenomics today? Or they released the yeah, white paper? Yeah, so I did, haven't. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. I saw some cool shit on Twitter though, bro. It was like I was. I posted it myself, like. I saw them teasing it before, and I'm like, I know they're going to come up with some wild shit, like interconnected mem like shared mempools and all this kind of stuff, and like finally make making Adam like a useful token, and like I know they did it. I just have to read it. <laughs> yeah, same here. This this is when full circle. Now we're back to talking about token value accrual, right? The only thing that matters for your token is what revenue you can extract out well, of it. Well, well, for a layer one, right? Layer one the product you're selling is actually blocks, right? That right. is what gives your token mm -hmm. value. Um, and the problem with Cosmos is not the Atom token. It was the fact that the blocks on the Cosmos hub are worthless because nothing is going through them, right? Um, so that's, I hope that's what they solved, right? Because to me, like the way I value an L1 is like how valuable are your blocks? How much MEV can be extracted from those blocks? Were they full? How much are people paying to get in them and stuff, right? Um, so... That's what I'm hoping got fixed. I, I hope it's not like a pump and dump Adam situation. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, it's all about real estate, whether it's on chain or in the real world. Yeah, 100%. It's all real estate. I was going to ask one more question. Um, you said you, you talked to Charlie a lot from Pitch. I'm curious, like, what other things um, do you have down the pipeline working with Pitch? Because Pitch is obviously something close to my heart. Charlie's a close friend of mine, and it's great to know that two young, bright minds are working together. Yeah, you know what I told him on our last call? It was like, bro, <clears throat> I'd say, like, we're, you know, like, I just talked on for, like, an hour about, like, how we started off as, like, a relatively simple idea, but we want to, like, keep moving down the stack and find our own lane and, you know, like, continue expanding and stuff like that. And I think um, Pitch is in, like, the similar zone. <coughs> it, like, there's no point trying to hide it, right? Like, the Pitch... Uh, bad market and then we have like hidden hand at like competitors and shit right um mm -hmm. but like the thing is like i think as our protocols both develop as they put like more focus on like the pitch wrapped tokens and then like you know we keep building these like new uh, developments on top of hidden hand and they start changing their stuff like eventually we'll find like our own lanes and then because we're so similar that's what will open up the like room for like collaboration between each other right so yeah i'd say like right now like the obvious thing is like px pitch pitch butterfly etc right um mm -hmm. these are like the obvious things but these aren't things that like you know um these aren't things that make you like drop your jaw right and like i'd say like we but both of us are probably just going to keep on doing our things until we find something that like you know really gets people excited you know? yeah. yeah 
And I think the most important thing you said is each of you guys are carving your own lane and really like setting your own niche in this world, which is really hard to do. It's like really easy to fork and like most projects are just forks, but to come out with something novel and new and innovative that takes yeah, a lot. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. You already know. I'll say like, I'm happy. Like I'm happy. Like one of our competitors is pitch because I know one day, like there will be something we can do together. And like, we have like a good relationship and stuff. I'm happy. It's not like, Bro, if you remember, like when Redacted first launched, there was this project called Logos, bro. Like, oh yeah, Logos <laughs> Finance. Yeah. I remember. Like, that's a throwback. Yeah, and, bro, and, and, like, and I'm happy, you know. Yeah. And did they try to front run you and launch like a couple of days before Redacted did? Bro, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm happy. Like our competitors are like people I know. Like we'll be able to build cool shit with eventually, like pitch or something. You know, like I'm happy. It's not like assholes. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, like you guys make each other better and you guys you know like you said you guys are competitors so i'm sure there's like a little bit of like oh like what can i get like a little bit farther here and there and like which is good for the space just like builders like motivating each other to like push yeah, farther yeah yeah. For sure, yeah. For sure. yeah but there's a reason why you're still here <laughs> yeah man i mean honestly like it's <clears throat> like people get really caught up in that shit like i'd say like as a builder and like um, I try to like help out like new projects as much as possible and like um, <clears throat> people get so caught up in like competition and stuff like that like it's impossible for you to come out with something and not be a competitor to someone else nowadays right yeah um, and yeah. it's like you know and then even like CT in general like they always try and do comparisons like oh so someone comparing <laughs> I saw someone comparing like GMX to Curve and it's like come on bro like, you know, like, um, that is an <clears throat> awful comparison that is like, like that yeah, is, but like, this is the thing right like remember when balancer came out remember it was like balancer bancor and like uniswap right mm -hmm. like, those were all the same things and then they all turned into their own thing right yeah um so it's like you, people get so caught up in these things it's ridiculous yeah i think there's something to be said about like people that are new to the space whether they're like new builders or new founders and you know they step into it and you really find out who people are when they get like a taste of success or a taste of like progress because you know they might start off as like one person and then like they might be like the hot shit next week or like in a few weeks and then they just completely switch up on you and i think that's like something to be aware of and something to be you know mindful mindful of as you like as like builders like go about in this space because like when new people they haven't been brought around the ringer like us <laughs> like they have they i call it like they have to go through like the dark time and get humbled like every great builder and every great project went through that dark period whether it was like ethereum bitcoin cosmos this and that redacted frax but at the end of the day you like you go through the adversity and you come out the other side stronger and more humble exactly exactly and like yeah this the problem is when like when it gets to people's heads i think right like, that's the um, biggest it gets to people's mm -hmm. heads yeah. yeah 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 like actually like we should all be like we shouldn't actually like another issue we all do is like we put so much focus on like founders and stuff generally i don't mind it right um i'd say like <clears throat> generally i don't mind it that like you know i talk on behalf of like redacted the dow and stuff like that um but at the same time it's like you know like i think like there's a problem with like actually like relating the products that people have built to the people i mm -hmm. think that's like a, it, it's an issue what you said but it's also an issue that like we have to do that in the first place, you know? Yeah. Um, the fact mm -hmm. that, like, one person can have so much influence over, like, the direction or something of a quote-unquote decentralized application is, like, kind of worrying, right? Yeah. Another reason I'm bullish on, like, immutability. 
Yeah, it's people's messiah tendency. They want a leader to look up to. True. It's just like the easiest way to build a narrative at, is to, with a leader, which is unfortunately in the case. Like, I think we would all like to see the protocol speak for themselves. But like, yeah, yeah. I mean, people yeah. still do it with like Satoshi and Bitcoin. So people yeah. Still do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. He like clearly like he like clearly disappeared to like not be that. But like still, like people say, like people credit Satoshi for doing things, you know? Yeah. Who do you think Satoshi? Um, <clears throat> maybe Sam K. Maybe. <laughs> um, uh, Sammy, speaking of like adversity and such, like, it, do you have any advice to a founder who is currently building right now in the bear market? And this is kind of like their first time around it. They haven't had the PMF that Redacted has, and they're still trying to figure it out. And any tips for that guy or gal? Um. <clears throat> It's it's really tough, right? And like I think um, something like that I've noticed is like people get really scared about the fact that you can't close a crypto, like a, you can't close your crypto business, right? Um, if you commit to something and you build it, like you gotta fucking stick to it, right? And if you disappear on it, there's token holders, like there's no the way to dissolve your project and stuff like that, like it's considered a rug, right? Like I think like to people like that who maybe like aren't finding PMF, I'd say like the best thing to do is like honestly like. <clears throat> keep a low profile um just like explore pivots like people are really scared of pivots but at the end of the day like you know pivots are like uh you can you can attribute those to like some of the greatest success stories in like business in general right yeah um so <clears throat> we pivoted but we pivoted yep. like, you know like uh, uh, i wouldn't say it's a pivot like we always wanted to do it um but at the same time like you know it's like okay just because like one thing was working and then it didn't work it's like okay like you you can't get like caught up in that, right? And like you talked about like the V2 tokenomics and stuff, right? Like um, not everything is gonna make everyone happy, but at the end of the day, like, you know, if you are in a, if you put yourself in a position where you wanna take a leadership role, then you have to be willing to make like the hard decisions, you know, because like, um, <clears throat> like if you don't do it, someone else is gonna do it. Yeah, I think that's oh, like- and, um, yeah. and uh, travel, traveling is great too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What do you mean like, by traveling? Like, like, yeah. yeah. What do you mean by traveling? Yeah, I'm, like you know, like for me, like sometimes, like, um, like if I'm having like uh, writer's block, for lack of a better word, right? Like if I'm having like issues with something, like I find like changing scenery is like really the best thing you can do as like a founder, or, like it, really in general, like the best thing you can do in a lot of situations is just change your scenery, right? Like I know a lot of people that went like super hard when they were fundraising. And then building the initial deployment and then they just were in the same fucking room the entire time um and crypto does that to you because the markets never turn off right um mm -hmm. sometimes i find myself in the same room for like three days or some shit right um so i'd say like yeah changing scenery is like uh, super underrated yeah and on top of that i think that's how i met that's how i met capital k bro <laughs> Traveling, you right? come full you, circle you don't, meet people, you don't meet cool people if you don't travel yeah. As someone that's been, I feel like, constantly traveling for the past over two years, I know what you mean. Like, and also when you travel, I think the most important thing is you meet new people that give you fresh perspectives. So you meet like people along the way and they become like your close friends and they offer you different perspectives each time. It's like mm. between like the change of actual scenery and environment and then also like having those conversations with other people that, you know, give you those new ideas and give you those fresh ideas you know, that will yeah, get you past yeah, that writer's yeah. block. They both play into each other. <clears throat> and, and like, I'm like semi-anon, you know, I'm not, my name's actually Sammy, you know, like I don't, 
care about that too much. Like, I don't have anything to hide or whatever, right? I just, I just think, be, honestly, I just think being in on is cool, so that's kind of why I do it. Um, but <clears throat> you work with people, when you work in DeFi space, you work with people that, like, you do not know a thing about them, you know? And, like, yeah. imagine, like, you work in, like, a normal business where all they promote is, like, culture and working with your your co your uh, coworkers and all this sort of stuff and then you work in DeFi, you don't know who anyone is, right? <laughs> like it's really important to like see people, meet them oh, face yeah. to face, get to know them and like your team synergies. Like I for me personally, like meeting like people on my team that are like fully anonymous has like uh, increased our productivity by like and more than anything, you know, it's just like meeting these people meeting the people on your team, you know, going out of your way to like meet them face to face. Yeah. Meeting people in person makes them that more real. It's not just yeah, some exactly. random it makes, anime. It makes, the, yeah. it makes the work you're doing like much more real, you know? Yeah. yeah. What, a, what a weird industry you're working for. What like, a fun industry. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Tell people to, like, yeah. People. <laughs> yeah. If I explain like a week, like what my week is like, it would make most people's head spin. And I feel like you guys feel the same way, if not more, honestly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, it's so hard explaining it to normies, bro. How do you think we could? I mean, I don't even know if you can explain it to normies. Like, honestly. You know, it's, you know it was really easy to explain to normies? Proof of work. Low-key. Right? Yeah. I feel, like, I feel like the worst part about POS is the fact that, like, it's going to be 10 times harder to explain to people. <laughs> yeah. Once DeFi summer started, and I tried to explain DeFi to people, it just wasn't going through the same way as Bitcoin or proof of work. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it just keeps getting more complicated, you know? So really, it's like, <clears throat> but you know what does click with people is like NFTs, right? And I talked about this yep, a bit yeah. before, is like, um, <clears throat> like all this, a lot of DeFi projects are so focused on retail, right? They want to be like, they want to be that cool kid on the block that like their moms know about it and shit like that. The thing is like, your mom doesn't know about BlackRock. Your mom doesn't know about like, um, well, I don't know. I don't know who your mom is, right? I don't know who your mom is, but like your mom doesn't know about like um, <clears throat> the way financial systems work now, like Swift and all this shit, right? Like these things are not made for like consumers to use at the end of the day, really, right? Like maybe you are building something that is meant for a consumer, um, but <clears throat> most of the time, like you're building financial tools which in the end, after regulation is figured out and all these things will be primor primarily used by hedge funds and et cetera. Yeah. Do you think because we're in this gray area, you know, where regulation isn't clear, like we're kind of like the people that are like willing to take risks are, you know, building right now, but like once after regulation and most importantly, direction comes out, then there's going to be so many more new players that come in because they're like, oh, there's direction now. I like feel comfortable with it. Like, how do you see that? changing the DeFi landscape once direction and regulation oh, yeah. comes out. You know, it's like a really good interview to listen to is like, remember when like Andre turned into a villain? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but bro, I can't lie, as like a builder, he went on, he went on the Delphi podcast. And yeah. He, bro, he was just spitting facts. Like, you know, he was just like, he's just spitting facts. He's like, maybe he, maybe he did like fuck up a couple of times, but like, truth be told, like what he's doing now, like, you know, focusing a lot on policy work and regulation and making sure that like builders are heard for and like you know like he's giving our perspective like that like that's like a i can i can like get behind that you know um <clears throat> because it's true there's so many people right now that have money sidelined 
that will simply not even get into crypto, not because it's a gray zone, but because they don't even know how to account for it on their books. You know, um, <clears throat> I was helping, I was at the Bear Cave um, and they're, they're doing their raise or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and it's like, they're trying to explain to like a traditional hedge fund, like how the product works or whatever. Right? And it's like, okay, you can do like some things like this, but then the settlement token is the equity token, right? And then the block rewards are inflation. Like the business models are just like, they don't click with people. The regulations don't click with people. The accounting doesn't click with people. And like, that's really what's holding back a lot of money. I don't think it's, I think a lot of people say it's like the, the fact that it's a gray zone. Um, <clears throat> it is a gray zone, but at the same time, like, I feel like it's just like basic things that like we can easily fix that we're not doing. Um, that is like holding back like big money from coming in. Um, actually, okay. like, you know, this is like the Frax podcast. Let me find this guy. I forgot what his name is. Um, he's building. Um, <clears throat> Okay, I'm gonna go through my Telegram while I'm talking to find the name of this project. Um, he is building a safe wrapper. He's building these things called safe tokens um, for the. He's building it for Frax BP right now. Um, I mentioned before I was like working with like some projects that are building in the Frax ecosystem, and he's building a safe, compliant wrapper where institutions can sort of come in, know their business, know their customer, know their counterparty, um, and trade the Frax BP. Um, like on an isolated pool on curve, um, which is just separated from like the rest of the DeFi space, right? And I think like <clears throat> people cringe at that stuff, like C DeFi, but I think like stuff like that is actually what's gonna get like FraxBP to like, you know, like become like the dominant stable coin is like these people like going out of their way to like build stuff like that. Wait, I am very curious on what this product is because I don't think I've heard oh, of this bro. yet. Okay, but wait, hold up. His name we is got Casper. It. Casper. I don't okay. Mm. I might know <clears throat> him. Ident DeFi. Ident. Okay. How does like that ident work? Like, uh, bro, you're asking yeah. the wrong person. I built fucking like. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Well, you gotta message me after the show. Ident. I sent it in the chat here. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, okay. <clears throat> check them out, bro. Like these guys are like doing good work, you know, and like um, these are like the type of things that are gonna like empower a lot more capital to flow into the space building on yeah. facts too right so maybe a good fit for the show yeah no seriously so you really don't see regulation and direction being the issue it's it's more of um just money being sidelined because things aren't accounted for properly i think so i think so yeah yeah uh, because regulation will come and it won't really change what's been going on too much now you know like maybe worst case like we fucking have to like register with someone and you know like these things are like it's kind of just like obvious like it's bound to happen right but like the, fa the, the thing that's really holding people back is they just don't um fully understand how to like trade these things the way they trade normal equities and stuff right yeah and the thing is like each protocol accounts for revenue differently there isn't oh, a set standard we've talked about this before on the show with xerox d24 i talked about it before with a few other people and like, if you want to like figure out the revenue, you have to like go into their white paper and figure it out. Like, oh, like this is like what they considered like real yield and this and that. Well, I was on calls with Capital K, um, <clears throat> like a couple months ago, and we were just trying to like we, we were trying to put in like how Frax makes money compared to like how Convex makes money compared to like how Redacted makes money, and it's all different. Like every single every single project is like operating on like a completely new business model that no other company is like working on and it's like 
that really confuses people that really yeah dude people sure. there's like no comps right like at least in traditional finance there is at least gap right the general accepted accounting practice or principle or whatever it stands for but like at least there is something that everybody could agree on but in in crypto the only metric that we all happen to agree on is this stupid thing called tvl and the thing is actually <laughs> not even locked right <laughs> we learned that tvl is mercenary so like yeah i, I think we have a, a long road ahead in terms of becoming a standard that everybody accepts across the board um and but but sam i'm curious do you think it would come from the projects, you know, putting a flag in the ground, be like, this is how we classify our revenues. Or do you think it would be a consortium of projects coming together and adopting the standard or a completely a separate option? <clears throat> it, it's hard, eh? Because like, you know, like, um, I, I don't think I could apply the way we operate our business to how any other project is operating their business, right? Like even with Curve, it's completely different than the way Uniswap Labs makes money, right? Um, you know, it's like, I really don't think we'll see eye-to-eye, but actually like in the end of the day, that actually might be an edge is the fact that you have so many novel um, <clears throat> business strategies and business structures um, for how, like how all these projects are making money. Like maybe that'll actually um, help us It'll hurt us a lot for sure. The fact that like you can't compare a project apples to apples, but like I think um, it'll be an edge for like a lot of projects. I know we try to like always structure our comms to like use the way we structure our business as an advantage rather than like something that's like holding us back from like pulling in more money. Yeah, maybe there'll be a formula created one day that just you know takes everyone's different standard of you know what is revenue. Well, just put, and, and yeah. a really easy one, right? A really easy one that I use sometimes is. Um, <clears throat> I called it unethical yield sourcing, UYS, right? Um, like basically you can, a really easy one is to just like take every project, uh, annualize the total amount of tokens that entered the market, um, subtracted by the total amount of money that came into the protocol, right? Um, because everyone says like, we sourced this much revenue, we did this much revenue, blah, blah, blah. But you don't account for like how many tokens entered the market, which really diluted um, that, that value, right? Um, so you can you can look at things like token emissions as an expense, right? Um, and then you know, like I think that's a really easy one. It's just looking at like um, <clears throat> the closer you are to one on that scale, right? The, the the better, the more money you're making. But again, like that that's a shit metric, right? Like, but that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. In addition to that, right? Sometimes projects require you to lock, like for example, with with curves, you got to lock it to get any piece of the revenue. And that is that number of lock curve is different than the number of circulating curve. So when you are trying to find some kind of revenue accruing, you have to really divide it by BECRV and not CRV at large. So like all, all these nuances across the board is what I feel makes it so difficult for, for anyone, except for those in the know and, and those in the know are not going to take the time to create a standard. So. Yeah. It, it makes you question, like, if all businesses were as transparent and um, public as crypto businesses, right, would we have the same issue in ChatFi as we do in DeFi, right? Wow. Um, if we only accounted to, if we only accounted for what we wanted to account for the same way private businesses do, would it be easier for us as an industry to, like, you know, provide these metrics and, and like, tell people how to fairly value us, right? Huh, I never thought about it like that before. You kind of just flipped it on its head. 
you know, because everything is so public, everybody can point fingers and have an opinion, but if everything is kind of closed off, like I will tell you what my revenue or what my EBITDA is. Yeah. Wow. It's one way to look at it. Doesn't solve the issue. (laughs) No, it does not. It does not, but it it does makes you ponder. Um, Ponder. Ponder the orb. Yeah. Dave, do, do you think we should hop into the, the lightning round or do you have a I couple think we more should. questions? Uh, I don't have any more questions, but yeah, let's just hop into it. Cool. So Sammy, at the end of all these interviews, we usually hit you with a couple of quick one, two punches of questions and just answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. So question one, I'll start is what was your virgin crypto experience and sexes don't count? Virgin crypto experience. Um, <clears throat> one time I bought winter tires from a guy on Kijiji, which is like, I don't know what the equivalent to it, maybe like Facebook marketplace. Kijiji is like a Canadian thing, I guess, or worth. Um, <clears throat> uh, I bought winter tires from a dude on Kijiji and he told me he'd give me 10% off if I paid him in Bitcoin. So I fucking put on a COVID mask um, before COVID masks were a thing and went to like a Bitcoin ATM at a gas station and like bought Bitcoin and then paid a dude in Bitcoin for winter times. What a story. <laughs> it's so <laughs> random. Yeah. yeah. That's probably one Love of the it. most unique so, story I've, I've heard. Um, what, what else do people say? They, they, they try to, to like lose something on chain and they lost it in the bridge or something like that. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's, that's, that's probably an easy one. Um, okay. And then the second question from my end is what do you do off chain? Like what is your favorite touch grass activity? I'm such a nerd. Like, uh, I got a PS five, like three weeks ago. I've been running that a lot. Playing what? Um, I, I, I can't lie. I'm not like a huge gamer. Like I love the sports games. Um, they have like, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, that was like my favorite COD, um, zombies and shit. Like, I, I haven't been touching grass as much as I should be, to be honest. <laughs> Got it. Um, what is some advice you would give to you, your five-year-old younger self? Fucking buy Bitcoin, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the most common answer, I swear. Yeah, Everybody says common, that. Yeah, buy earlier, jump in sooner. Yeah. And last question from my end, what would you be doing if you weren't in crypto? Um, <clears throat> I would be doing, uh, I'd be trying to get into the terraforming industry. Do you know what that is? Is that, you know, the manipulating of environments? So turning deserts yeah, into yeah. grasslands? Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's stuff still. Um, actually like there's this dude on crypto Twitter, um, I forget what it's called, but his project is called Terra Punk, right? Um, he's trying to find a way to like involve crypto in it. Um, but basically like there's like a huge industry forming right now around, you know, like just like getting these like government contracts and stuff to like fulfill terraforming initiatives so that all these countries can reach like their Paris agreement. Um, and I think Mm -hmm. like. I don't know. To me, that's super dope because you can you can still have your capitalistic mindset, but at the same time, like doing stuff that's like really good for the earth and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, bro, all I know is crypto. Like, you know, like I went to school for one year. Um, I was doing econ, 
and then uh <clears throat> like they opened up like a crypto postgrad program um in Toronto and I did that and like literally like I like I tell people like you know that's like literally the only thing I know is like crypto <laughs> like I was in school for it and I just don't know anything else so I guess that's an issue but if I was to do something else I'd probably get into something like something really cool like that something pretty futuristic no it's not an issue because it's the only thing i know too yeah i i don't think i could apply my skills anywhere outside of crypto maybe like yeah, yeah. in like scholarly if i was like an academic or professor or something with like other stuff i know but like nothing would be as fun as crypto no, nothing is as fun and nothing is as interesting you know like people say blockchains are boring and blockchains at the end it's just like uh ones and zeros and stuff right but actually like um i'm like that that's like super interesting stuff to me like i i don't think anything else like really especially in like the tech world is like as cool as crypto so yeah i think all of us here are just trying to cope that we have zero transferable skills <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks satoshi thanks vitalik yes, <laughs> and yes. thank you sammy for joining us yeah thanks for having me guys that was fun chatting yeah it was super fun yeah. man I, i'm excited uh, to have you I on make it out to your Wait, what? What was that last thing? I, I couldn't make it. I couldn't make it out to your talk, uh, Dave. But um, uh, no, like, well, sure I'll I, we'll have another one. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm sure I'll catch you IRL soon enough. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. And and we yeah. gotta bring you back on when Dinero is live as well. Yeah, we need that Dinero yeah. like full update, full okay, breakdown. As soon as the as soon as the white paper is out, like we'll we'll run it back. Perfect. Yeah. We'll come on and, and we'll do a line by line breakdown. Um, but yes, yeah, <laughs> thanks. thanks so much for jumping on. Hey guys, that was the latest Flywheel Pod with Xerox Sammy. That was one marathon of an episode where we covered everything. And I think the builders and the DGens deep who have their tents pitched on chain are going to appreciate this one. Uh, what'd you think, Kit? I, I highly recommend again sitting down i hope they sat down and listened to this and took notes if you didn't listen to it again because sammy dropped a lot of golden nuggets in terms of building and also what is to come and how to build for that future you know sammy was talking about extracting you know uh revenue and fees on chain i think we were extracting all the alpha we could out of sammy this episode oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah just just to pat ourselves on our own back. I feel like we're, we're getting better and better at like extracting <laughs> things yeah. out of people. <laughs> yeah. You know, definitely a fun and I'm excited to have him on again when uh, that dinero white paper drops. Oh, dude, I cannot wait for that. We'll have the maximum FEV, the flywheel pod <laughs> extractable value. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you want to hear that, don't forget to hit that bell button uh, on our YouTube and subscribe to us. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Flywheel Pod, or join our Telegram group at Flywheel Pod. Follow me on Twitter, DeFiDave22. Follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And we'll see you next time. Peace.